Yeah. Three C's, mafia. Yeah. Whoa, hey, yeah. whoa, hey. Say what? Hey. Whoa, three C's, mafia. Yeah. Hey. It's going down. Whoa, hey. Y'all know what whoa. time it is. Hey. We ain't playing with you. Hey. In the club. Hey. In the street. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to season two, episode 19 of No BS. Tonight I have you know the MI6 crew ready for this fantastic episode with our special guest Gilbert. Well, let me go around the table and ask how everyone's doing tonight. Isaiah, I'll start off with you. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great, uh, Trevor. Thanks for having me on the show tonight. Uh, Gilbert, thanks for joining us, man. I uh, really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Uh, can't wait for the episode, man. And yeah, let's get going. Let's go talk some Chargers football. John, how are you? Oh, I guess I got John Alcorn. How are you doing? You're doing good, man. And obviously, like I said, Gregor, I've told this, these guys beyond camera, when we say they have come to the show, it's not like a, oh, thanks for going to the show. We won't talk again. It's we try to actually get to know them and how they are and build relationships. It's not just an interview where oh, I got to be on the show. It's definitely try to bring a different injury, different vibe to like, hey, we want to come back. Hey, tell us to other people how they conducted themselves. But a lot of fun. Got some questions that people may not ask, but ask so to just sit down, grab your popcorn, and let's just do this. Mr. Mathis, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Hey, Trevor. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to jump on with you guys and chat about sports. Hey, Gilbert, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on as a special guest. It's a pleasure to have you on with us, man. Let's get the show started. And Gilbert, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Hey, I'm, I'm doing well, Trevor. I'm glad to be on the No BS show. So I'm expecting some hard questions, some good questions. Uh, I was laughing at that intro. You guys looked like a, a pretty hardcore gang there. Uh, so I'm a little afraid as, as well. <laughs> it's all right but let's start off tonight with some of you you know sports media the sports media segment so i'll go a little bit into your career um what made you decide to go into sports media in general yeah you know people ask me that question i feel like i never have a good answer but you know i think maybe like like most of you guys you know i, I grew up a big sports fan you know I, it's kind of faded a little bit now that i'm kind of doing it for a job you kind of focus on one thing like you know the football for me but I grew up a big sports freak. And so I, you know, I read everything. I read newspapers like crazy. I know they're kind of going extinct nowadays, uh, but I read online as well. And, you know, I guess from all that reading, it kind of just stuck to me. You know, you know, when I started writing in high school or colleges, you know, I, people were saying, hey, you're a good writer. Maybe we should try it out. And I was like, yeah, I didn't want to take it too serious. So I joined the school newspaper, uh, Cal State Northridge in L.A., uh, and it kind of took off from there. You know, I started covering the college basketball team there. Uh, I did everything from volleyball to soccer, and I and I think I just I worked at it a lot. You know, my writing, uh, my reporting, uh, the classes, and from there it kind of just took off. And I felt like okay, it's gonna be a career for me, and that's where the passion came from. You know, I like working on deadline, being under the gun. Uh, so it's very nerve wracking, but when you file that story and you, and you see your byline, there's no better feeling. 
I couldn't agree with you more on that. Just writing uh, different sports articles. I did one in the past summer with them signing, uh, I want to say, Nick Bosa with the Chargers. I'm, it could, sometimes I confuse myself with the Bosa brothers. But at the same time, I wrote a nice article about him, just getting that experience of just understanding what's good content to put out there, put factual information in the truth so people can analyze and say this was a good signing by the Chargers and so forth. But I want to ask you another question. And what was your proudest moment that you know you did in your sports media career so far? Man, another tough question, Trevor. Man, putting me on the spot. Proud. You, you know, I, I don't know if there's anything particular. You know, people always ask me, oh, you should like submit some of your best stories for these awards and stuff like that. I'm, I'm not really in it for that. Also, it's more work for me. I, I don't like to find my stories and, and put them out there and do these portfolios. Uh, maybe I should, but it's not, it's not, a, that's not for me. But I, I guess, you know, to, to sum it up, it, I just like telling people stories, you know, maybe not about sports, you know, sometimes. Like for the Chargers, the head coach Anthony Lynn, he's doing some great stuff in the community. Uh, he 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 built a school in Tanzania. Uh, he's done some great things in his hometown in, in McKinney, Texas. So I like kind of taking that one step further and getting to know people. And and you start asking these extra questions. Sometimes you think questions are kind of dumb, but sometimes you get the best response responses from these out of out of the box questions. And 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 you kind of start thinking, okay, this could be a story right here. Those stories that kind of come out of nowhere. Those are kind of my favorite ones. And there's some good ones I can't really remember right now, but those are the ones I'm kind of most proud of when you tell a different side, because at the end of the day, these are human. These are people. Uh, they're not just football players. I know people get mad at them when not, they're not producing for a fantasy football team or whatever. Uh, but I think for me, it's just getting to know these people on, on a personal level and, and sharing their stories. Fantastic. I'll pass it off to Isaiah. Ask your questions, my friend. Yeah, Gilbert, uh, so you've had the great privilege and the honor to interview a lot of famous athletes and sports celebrities in your career. You know, you've interviewed the likes of Floyd Mayweather Jr., Canelo Alvarez, uh, Joey Bosa, Philip Rivers, and even you interviewed legendary boxing promoter Bob Arum, to name a few. So I'm wondering, you know, out of all the people that you've had a chance to interview, what was your favorite interview? First of all, is your, is your Wi-Fi off, man? I keep seeing your profile picture. A nice Lakers LeBron jersey there, I think. Uh, but you're back yeah. on. I see your face. And also, when when you're away, you have a very good uh, a, a boxing ring a ring blow by blow voice. So you could be an announcer if you could if you could try that. Uh, but I'm very impressed that you know Bob Arum, the great promoter there. Uh, but actually, I'll start with that one. That was kind of cool. He he, he was a uh, I remember uh, I was working in Vegas and we have the studio in the back of the newsroom and it's a kind of a far walk. And I told Bob Barham, who's 83 years old, you, you might want to, you know, get in the car and drive to the studio. It's a long walk. He's like, you know, he just kind of brushed me aside and he walked with me uh, for it felt like, you know, half a mile. And he's 80 years old and just sharing boxing stories with me. And, and he made it. He wasn't winded. And we had a great interview. Um, but you know, you guys keep putting me on the spot. I can't think of more <laughs> good interviews. It, it kind of just becomes routine, not to sound like I'm cocky or anything. Uh, but after a while, they kind of just add up. And you know, sometimes you know, for me, I don't really get too starstruck anymore. You kind of get that early on, maybe I did early, like, whoa, you know, I'm talking to this, this boxer, big, big boxer when I first started covering the charge. Oh, that's Philip Rivers right there. You know, he's been playing since I was a kid, uh, stuff like that. But you know, at the end of the day, I kind of just treat them like, you know, like people like, like us, like I'm talking to you guys. We kind of, that's, I think that's the way it's worked out for me. Uh, but, I, you know, to pick one favorite one, 
I can't think of them right now, but there's many good ones like that Bob Arum story I just shared. Um, you know, just you know, from fighters to to athletes to uh, I even you know interviewed some mayors here and there. So a lot of interesting people. So it's been pretty cool. Gilbert, I was going to ask you as a follow-up, you know, how was uh, interviewing Floyd Mayweather? Because I know, like, that's a very interesting interview. You know, he always goes on uh, various TV shows or does interviews with uh, various media members. And uh, you you kind of get something different any time you interview Floyd Mayweather. So how was it for you when you interviewed Floyd Mayweather? Yeah, Floyd's kind of tricky because when he got really famous, he, he stopped doing, uh, I guess, a lot of interviews. You had, you had to be, like, Somebody really big time to get to know to to talk to Floyd, uh, somebody you know big in the media or or he or he kind of used it to his advantage to kind of promote himself. And I think I was at a fight and I and I talked to one of the promoters like, hey, because I saw Floyd Mayweather sitting ringside. You know, you could tell when he, the flashy watch and you know, he's kind of standing out. And I said, hey, if he's walking by, can you ask him for an interview with me? Because I work for the Las Vegas Review Journal, the hometown paper. He lives in Vegas. You know, I just need five minutes of his time. And sure enough, I got lucky. He was walking by my way. I had no idea he, that he said, yeah. He's like, let's do this. And on the spot, I kind of I thought of four or five questions and, and he answered them uh, uh, very nicely for me. I actually have a picture right now that I think about it from that day right here of, of me interviewing Floyd Mayweather. Wow. So. wow. So that wow. was pretty cool uh, for me. So as a young reporter, I think I was maybe 26 years old. It was, it was kind of cool. Uh, and it was also, it was on, on you know, like you saw on on the mic. I'm not very I'm not too good on the mic. I'm I'm more of a writer. So all that was pretty cool and, and a cool special moment for me. Wow, yeah, that that sounds like a very awesome uh, time that you had there. But John, go ahead with uh, your question that you had for Gilbert. Gilbert, you've been doing this for a while, interviewing people. What have you noticed? Because sometimes in the media we see this athlete is this way or this person is this way, and then you get to know them in the interview. What is the I guess. Not the biggest lesson, but what have you learned when approaching an interview versus what the media was saying about a certain athlete in NFL, boxing, or MLB, or whatever sport? Yeah, you know, when I first started this job, you know, I think I focused too much on, you know, you know, looking for headlines and, and following up mm -hmm. on, on sources and, and, and whatever Adam Schefter is tweeting, Ian Rappaport. Uh, I've learned that, you know, get your own reporter, you know, focus on yourself. Don't worry about other people and what they're doing. Sometimes I saw like, hey, they broke this news and you're like, oh, OK, that's actually not that big. They're kind of, you know, you're just settling a different way. And you're like, and now that I'm covering the charge, I, I kind of know how it, how it is, the ins and outs. And I'm like, OK, that's not really a big deal. So I'm going to leave that one alone. And there's times where, OK, that is a big story. I got to ask my own questions. But I think you kind of would experience you get the feel of where to go, what questions to ask. Uh, but I think part of your question was also kind of how to how to ask questions. And I'm still kind of learning in this way. But I, I think just be straight up. If it's going to be a hard question, don't beat, around, don't beat around the bush and say, hey, I'm sorry to ask this. I kind of have to ask for my job. Just say, hey, are you worried about getting fired? Hey, are you are you worried about losing your job? Are you worried about losing your starting job? Stuff like that. Just just kind of say it. And sometimes that kind of just it works out best. Uh, I've learned that most athletes do not get offended. They know it's a sport at the end of the day. It's not life or death. Uh, so just ask the question. Um, I know people are sometimes get nervous. That, that's okay. Uh, but just get it out, spit it out, and you usually get a good response out of it. You talked about, I guess, starstruck, which I know people hear that all the time in movies and everything else. 
what got over that? Was it just practice interviewing people or how were you able to do that after interviewing the first couple of big stars? You know, for me, it, it was just like the job of working for a newspaper. We have a lot of deadlines and a lot of, I have, you know, say I have a bunch of stories throughout the week. So I'm sorry. I started thinking, okay, check off the list, check off the box. And I don't really care who I'm talking to. I, got, I just got to get my job done, my assignment, meeting my deadlines, uh, filing my stories, meeting my work count, getting my quotes. So all that just kind of got into my head and I kind of stopped caring who it is and I kind of move on one to the to the next. So, you know, I think early on you get a little nervous. Uh, for me, uh, even to this day, I deal with a lot of maybe anxiety when it comes to press conferences. When, you know, nowadays it's Zoom, You're, you know, maybe it's a little easier. But before, if you're in a crowded room with like 40 reporters and you want to ask a question to Tom Brady or Philip Rivers, whatever quarterback, and everybody's looking at you. That was kind of the, the hardest part for me to get over. And to this day, I kind of sometimes I feel it. Uh, but after a while, you're like, you know, I got I got a job to do. I got to move on. Who cares about being scared and, and or being starstruck or or being nervous? So, you know, I still deal with some things here and there. You know, I don't I don't want to say I'm too old, but I've been around, you know, this job for about 10 years. Uh, so with more practice and experience, I, I'm OK with it. My last question, though, for you is. When you've interviewed certain people, do you have to. Are there certain things that you don't leave on the table or how do you, what separates, sorry, all the place, what separates yourself obviously from other reporters and what have you learned when you first started and how you able to become you Gilbert and what you've done the past 10 years? Yeah, no, that, that's actually a good question. And like, like I was, I was kind of mentioning more kind of hinting earlier. I think just kind of find your own style, your, your own niche. And we all have different stories. We're all looking for, for different features and we all we all have different things so i think just focus on yourself i think a lot of people get caught up on like you know finding that 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 new the breaking news story or or the most popular story like you know you know always think ahead for for stories because sometimes you say i'm interviewing joey bosa who knows when i could get him again like it could be a month before i talk to joey bosa so just start thinking about stories and i mean and questions and kind of get them out the way and who cares if you're asking maybe questions that seem a little off, like, you know, what's your favorite food? And sometimes, actually, I, I asked Joey Bosa about, you know, why does he like anime so much? And, and, I, and I learned a lot about Attack on Titan and stuff like that I've never heard of. And people probably looked at me funny, like, why is he asking about anime? And it kind of turned out to be a good story because I got to know Joey Bosa as a better person because be, before this year, he didn't talk too much. He, he was uh, all about football. But you start asking these questions little by little you start remembering things and for the next interview like okay i'm gonna ask about this one and follow up so i i think just find your own style worry about yourself and and also at the same time don't make fun of other people if they're having kind of silly questions who cares that's their own thing and their own stories uh so just i think is worry about yourself make sure you know if, i'm assuming if you guys do this for a living you're gonna have an editor so make sure you're on the same page with your editor and pretty much uh uh, you and that person and kind of know what's going on. So I, I just say find your niche, find your writing style, and uh, kind of, you know, meet your task. Jonathan, you can ask your questions. Uh, unless, John Alcorn, you have one more. So I know I, I just thought of this one, but it's a good one. You, when you talk about approaching people, how do you approach it different from other people? Like building relationships is not just obviously, you know, it's to the next one so you don't get nervous. How do you approach trying to build that rapport? with certain people because it's different all the way from the mlb the nfl or mm -hmm. nba how do you approach that with certain stars or certain leagues yeah you know sometimes 
you know, that you start thinking, okay, I got to build a relationship and, and that takes a lot of time. Like, like, you know, I guess, you know, I, I did mention that you have to kind of, you know, go to your assignment and move on, but say you're, you're in a beat, like I'm going to beat right now with the chargers, you know, you know, it's good to kind of take your time and maybe sometimes not ask questions on the record. Say you're in an open locker room, you don't even have to bring out your recorder. Just just want to, Hey, you want to talk to a player about whatever subject. And sometimes, you know, you get some good responses and that's how you get a good connection. And maybe the reporter sees, Oh, this guy is not recording everything. He's he, we're just having a private conversation. You build trust that way. Um, and also, you know, they, they could tell when you're being a little fake, you're trying to get sources and connection. If you're there for an angle, they're going to catch you. So be genuine, uh, ask them about their day, ask them about their family. And, and I know that these are star players and sometimes they kind of brush you aside. But you never know, man. Like I've had some good conversations with some players that never get reported. It's just, you know, private conversations, and it's kind of cool to get to know people. But the more you're in the locker room, the more you show your face. You know, eventually they'll learn your name and you build connections, and that could benefit you in the long run uh, when you want to break news or have a, a source and stuff like that. So always be genuine. Ask more questions. Get to know people on a personal level. Don't always have the recorder on. Don't take the job too seriously, uh, and have fun with it. Like we're talking right now, you could do that with players. An open locker room when when it's a regular year. Jonathan Mathis, you can ask your questions. Yeah, uh, what's up, Gilbert? Uh, I apologize for the technical issues that I'm dealing with here, uh, but I wanted to get a question in, and the question I have is, what is one of your coolest experiences uh, that you have been a journalist? We all have those moments. I know for me, it was covering the 2018 All Star Game. What is your uh, coolest experience that you've had as a journalist? Yeah, you know, for me is covering the Super Bowl. I think it was two years ago. It was uh, the Rams against the Patriots. And it's kind of funny. That might be the worst Super Bowl in the last 20 years. It was pretty boring. It was like three to 10 or whatever that was. Uh, the Patriots beat the Rams there. Uh, and yeah, I, I got kind of lucky because, you know, I covered the Chargers and the Rams also being in L.A., I got to the Super Bowl and they they said, hey, if the Rams go to the Super Bowl, we need help covering, covering the game. You're going. So I think the Rams were playing the Saints in the NFC title game and they went to overtime. Like, and I'm, I'm it's kind of weird. I, I shouldn't root, but I'm like, okay, Rams, you got to win, Rams. I'm trying to go to the Super Bowl. That's one of my career uh, goals. And to meet that was pretty special for me. It was in Atlanta, uh, but it's kind of fun. Now you're thinking, okay, you know, what now? I, I've, I've reached the Super Bowl. Like, what, you know, what can I cover now? Uh, but you know, there's just this yearly things that happen every time and, and you want to keep re reaching uh, bigger events. Like for me, my next goal is maybe covering the Olympics one day. I know there's no football in the Olympics, but I was a big track and field guy and that could be kind of one of my goals later on in life. Uh, maybe covering boxing at the Olympics, uh, would be kind of special for me, but I, I, I've done a good amount, uh, from, from basketball to baseball. Um, I don't think I've ever covered an all-star game. So, uh, that's pretty cool for you, Jonathan, but. Um, for me, is definitely the Super Bowl. Nice. And what advice would you like to give anyone who wants to pursue this as a profession? What What is your advice to them moving forward? Yeah, definitely don't get discouraged. You're gonna get a lot of no's. Uh, you'll be de you'll be declined for job opportunities uh, very often. Uh, you know, there there was a string of of me getting rejected uh, pretty heavy, and after a while, I kind of just stop and i wasn't i wasn't heard about it. you know i said like, okay move on to the next keep applying keep uh, working on your craft keep reading keep writing um stuff like that uh but yeah it's, it's a long path to to get here i know some people kind of 
you know, asking, how do you get your job? I'm like, man, I, I started covering high school sports at, at a, while I was still in college, I was doing school newspaper, uh, covering teams at, at Northridge and also doing high school sports. So sometimes it's a lot of work. You don't get a lot of money out of it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it kind of pays off. But definitely read and write a lot. And definitely after your story gets published, look for the for the corrections that your editors make. Sometimes people can get kind of kind of upset when you see, you know, people change your story, but sometimes they make it for they make it they change it for the better and it works out and you start memorizing those corrections and you kind of have it in your writing later in your writing later on. Great stuff. I totally agree with you 100 percent Thank you, Jonathan. John Accord, you can go. Speaking about your rejections, Gibber, I did this thing since I started the sports industry this year. I made a whole album of all the rejection letters I got from Fox <laughs> Sports, rejecting internships and six, seven, eight jobs and two to three internships. And we talk about that, but folks, is that's like a motivational type of thing. It's like this doesn't come out of your, you know what? It just doesn't happen overnight. I think you've you've known this doing this for a while. Of course, I just started. I'm only 22, but I look like I'm 16. It's, it doesn't these types of jobs i got that baby face pulling me I'm, i get id'd all the time but um really it's it's going to be a more of rejection i think than an exception for a lot of times because i applied five ten times a day knowing people but i just people i wish more people knew that because i think some people they give up because a few rejections yeah. like i tell people we had a guest that had that i, I watched as a childhood just like you're saying you never know just shoot your shot or just ask a question if they don't answer they don't answer but at least kind of go for it and you never know yeah there's a lot of people that i know who i went to college with uh i graduated in journalism with and they got discouraged pretty early on they got rejected or they saw there was no money coming in they kind of just went elsewhere um you know there's maybe four or five people from my from my class and my major who are probably doing this for a living now so a lot of people uh, you know, don't stick with it. And, and I don't blame them because this industry, is a, there's a lot of questions to it. There's not a lot of money. You've got to make a living. And sometimes you got to have a passion for it. You know, is it, do you, do you want to do it for the money or do you want to do it, you know, for like, I, like I said, I like the, the satisfaction of, of, of meeting a deadline and telling stories that, that kind of gets me going when, you know, when you wake up and you, that's kind of my passion for me, but yeah, don't get discouraged. And, and it's kind of funny because, you know, a lot of these jobs that I have, I could, I could point, to a network like there's always somebody that helped me out along my path so always be kind to people uh you know that's what i always try to do i i try to when i see somebody who's new i try to direct them or give them help because not to not to get a perk out of it or a benefit but i've been helped out so much in my career that i i, I could i could definitely show you a cycle or a triangle of people who i knew that led to me getting a job uh, it started from when i was in college i was an intern at the arizona republic i got to cover the diamondbacks uh, Arizona Cardinals and and it was my junior year in college and that kind of kind of that kind of started my career because somebody who had that internship when they were younger my age uh, they gave me my first job at a, at a college at a at a, a weekly newspaper because he did it when he was in in, in college like hey I, I was that same intern uh, and we have a connection he gave me that job right there uh, I used to work at NFL.com and one of the stories I used to edit. Uh, the, the guy, the writer, went on to be the editor for the Las Vegas Review Journal. He's like, hey, I remember you editing my stories. You're pretty good at editing. You want to work for us? So stuff like that, you never know who you know. I never even met the guy, uh, but he remember my name from the email. So like I said, you know, keep working, be kind, and you never know. I think you're without a doubt right. I mean, some people 
do it because they're passionate and some people do it because it looks glamorous. I think people need to know the difference. It's not for everybody. Yeah, no, you're right, man. Especially sports, uh, your weekends are gone. Your holidays are gone. Your evenings are gone. Uh, so if you like having a nine to five and, and Saturday, Sunday off, this ain't the job for you. Absolutely. Yeah, Gilbert, um, you know, everyone working in the sports industry has had to adapt and adjust during this pandemic, you know, whether it's playing or coaching on the football field or, you know, working in the media field and covering a team like you do or working as an usher doing concessions. Everyone has had to change their day to day routine of how they go to work. So I was wondering, you know, could you give the fans a peek into what it has been like for you? to cover a football team on a day-to-day basis uh, during this pandemic? And what has like a typical game day been like for you? Yeah, it's been weird. I haven't been to any locker rooms, uh, open locker rooms. I haven't been near any – I haven't been close to any players at all this year, uh, maybe since last the last – I guess I think it was week 17 of last year. That was the last time I got on a plane. I haven't been on a plane at all. Uh, I haven't – I used to cover all the road games for the Chargers. I haven't done any road games. Uh, when I cover home games at SoFi Stadium, I stay in the press box. I don't go anywhere else. I can't be on the field. I can't be in the locker room. Uh, might as well cover the game from home. So it's, it's a strange feeling. You know, you still get some advantages being at the game to kind of see the sideline and, and who, who gets hurt and stuff like that. Uh, but other than that, you know, everything's from home. This room I'm in right now, I've done a lot of work in here. I've been on Zoom a lot from here. Uh, and, and on game days, it's kind of funny because or even during uh, practice, I, I've been going to Chargers headquarters. You know, I get to watch practice for about five minutes, but at a very far distance from players. Uh, I'm wearing a mask the whole time. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to ask questions when you have a mask on. Uh, so all that's been an adjustment for me. Uh, but I, I do miss, you know, you know, being a little closer to the team, you know, at, you know, get in the locker room, uh, especially after a game, after a football game. Uh, going into the locker room after a, like a big victory, a big loss, you get some good stories. Like you, you see a, a pissed off offensive lineman in the corner. You go chat up with him. He gives you some great quotes. And I don't know if he, he's either ripping the team or he, he's just you know very frustrated. And, and you kind of get a good story out of that. Uh, so you don't have that this year. Um, but you know, also you know, for me, I, I kind of hit a wall maybe early in the year for this Charger season. Maybe I want to say in October. I, I felt out of it, man. I was like, I don't want to get on Zoom anymore. I'm tired of this repetitive kind of thing, and I kind of got over that hump there. But uh, you know, you gotta you gotta stay safe and you gotta make the most of it. But it has been a, a definitely a challenging year so far. And I got I got one last question. So my question for you is: If you decide to start your career all over again, what would you have done differently? Wow. And Trevor, again, good questions. Uh, what would I do differently? Hmm. I think for me, you know, I wasn't a good student in high school. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, people just kept telling me I was a good writer, keep doing it. Uh, I think maybe I feel like I started a little early in college with a school newspaper. I started at my sophomore year, but I've heard stories of people do it in high school. I didn't do any of that in high school. Uh, you know, it's funny, you know, I learned grammar on my own. I didn't take grammar seriously in high school. Those classes, I kind of, I flunked them or got a D or got by. But because I read so much in my head, I memorized where commas went, semicolons, uh, you know, things like that. It, it just and and also reading my editor's uh, uh, corrections. 
I, I kind of was self-taught when it came to grammar. Uh, so I think for me, going back into high school or middle school and, and, and learning how to, how to be better at grammar uh, will go a long way for me. But somehow I got it done just by, by, like by reading. That's why I keep telling you guys, read a lot and you, you start picking up by memory how, how to you know craft the sentence a little better uh, and also writing. So I think for me, you know, take school a little more seriously, but I know we, can all, say, we all can say the same thing about that. Fantastic. I guess we can move on to our next segment, which is talking about the Los Angeles Chargers. But I want to read one of our comments to get us going from our loyal fans. So Kirstie Wilson asks, what is the first impression of Philip Rivers when you first ever interviewed him? Ah, like typical Philip Rivers, very, very talkative, uh, very outgoing. Um, I, I think when I had my first day at the Chargers, uh, the guy who I replaced, uh, Ryan Karchi, who is now at the LA Times, he told me, go go and shake uh, Philip Rivers' hands, you know, go introduce yourself. And I'm like, this is this is a, a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Why does he want to shake my hand? And I went up and I did it. And I said, hey, uh, I'm Gilbert. I don't think he remembered. I don't think he remembered who I was a minute after that. Uh, but, you know, he shook my hand. He just said, OK. And we kind of went our separate ways. Uh, but. It kind of paid off. I don't know if he, re if he remembered me from that one introduction where I said I shook his hand. But a year later, my second year on the Chargers beat, I was the only beat writer, supposedly one of the only beat writers in a very long time to get a one-on-one -on -one interview uh, with Philip Rivers. Uh, I think it was a final preseason game in Santa Clara, uh, Chargers against the 49ers. And my editor was like, you need to do a big story on Philip Rivers, a big feature. Um, he, he's already in his, in his 16th year. Uh, we'll keep some going. And, and I asked uh, the PR people, hey, can I get a one-on-one? -on -one? already thinking I'm going to get a no. They said, yeah, you know, come wait uh, at the locker, in the front of the locker room after the game, and you'll get Phil. And me and Philip Rivers were just talking from the, you know, from the locker room through the tunnel to the, to the, to the bus. And, and we just chatted it up for my feature story. We got to the bus. He stopped to go into, he stopped before going into the bus just to keep talking to me for about uh, 10 minutes, he, he dropped his bags and we were just talking. So I think that first interaction with Philip Rivers might have gone a long way. Long way. I thought he forgot about me right away. I don't know if that actually helped, but he said he had to my interview. And, you know, people have always shared stories about how great Philip Rivers is when it comes to interviews. And, and for me to kind of get that special one-on-one -on -one was pretty cool for me. Awesome. Isaiah, I'll, I'll go to you. Yeah, so Gilbert, um, you know, I want to ask you about the ele uh, the elephant in the room, the question that I'm pretty sure a lot of Charger fans uh, have been asking you on social media or uh, in person. And that is, you know, what are you hearing regarding the latest surrounding uh, Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn's job status? And if he is indeed let go by the Chargers, who are some potential candidates that you believe the Chargers could be interested in uh, to fill uh, to be the new head coach of the Chargers? Oh, I the second part of the question because that guy is still employed with the Chargers. I don't want to look too ahead. It, it wouldn't be right for me to kind of start replacing Anthony and Lynn, especially if he's back next year, and that'll be very awkward for me. So I'm gonna avoid that second part. But there are a lot of quick concerns and uncertainty about Anthony and Lynn coming back to coach the Chargers. I'm still leaning that he does come back. That's why again I want to play it safe and not try to write the guy off. But there's it's been pretty bad the last two years. They're not winning games. He, he's not doing well in crunch time. They're losing one score games. They've kind of turned that around the last three weeks. But 
Uh, there's been a lot of coaching mistakes and blunders. Uh, special teams was pretty bad this year. Defense was struggling. Offense not so bad because Justin Herbert. Uh, but you know, I think it's 50-50 right now. I, I asked Anthony Lynn today, has the charge have the Chargers told you are you coming back next year to coach this team? And usually when you know when you feel good about yourself, you know already by week 17, you're gonna come back. And Anthony Lynn has does not know that yet. So that that really leaves a lot of uncertainty for next year and come Monday after after the season finale in KC, this could be a lot of chaos regarding uh, Anthony and Lynn. Uh, maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't, and I got to be ready for breaking news on that day. So I'm not looking forward, looking forward to that too much, but uh, we'll see how it pays off for, for, uh, for Anthony and Lynn. Yeah, definitely, Gilbert. Uh, we'll definitely tune into your Twitter account for uh, the news if indeed Anthony Lynn does get let go or if he does get retained by the Chargers. But my second question to you, Gilbert, is, you know, we all know uh, Anthony Lynn could be the potential fall guy for the Chargers. But what about Tom Telesco, the Chargers GM? Would he, is he in any trouble right now? Or do you think that, you know, he is uh, he's going to definitely keep his job moving forward despite what happens this season? Yeah, I think they're also in some trouble, uh, Tom Telesco. He's been there eight years, and the Chargers have only made the playoffs twice. That's not a good look for a general manager. Uh, and also, he's already hired two head coaches, uh, Mike McCoy and Anthony Lynn. If you, and then you fire two, and you keep Tom Telesco. It's kind of rare when a GM hires three head coaches. So uh, if you let go of Lynn, you might let go of Telesco. They might be a paired package together. Uh, a lot of teams like to kind of pair up their GM and their head coach. So that will not surprise me. But I know Tom Telesco is very well liked with, with Dean Spanos there. Uh, he gets a lot of credit for drafting, obviously, Justin Herbert, Joey Bosa, Derwin James. But besides maybe four or five stars, also Keenan Allen, uh, this team does not have a good amount of depth because every year that they have injuries. And usually the teams that, that, that do well, you know, after a big injury bug, they rise because the, the backups are so good. And that means you're drafting well. You, that means you, you develop a good roster. And and Tom Telesco has not done that. Uh, special teams was, was a disaster this year. Uh, so I think for him, he has some heat as well. I don't know if he's feeling it as much as Anthony Lynn. But same with Anthony Lynn, they're, they're another beloved guy, maybe more than Tom Telesco. Anthony Lynn is such a well-liked guy uh, that it's going to be curious. But I think they are paired together. So either they, they both stay or they both go. Oh, great, great answer, Gilbert. Um, you know, speaking of Justin Herbert, you know, I want to ask you, Justin Herbert was a guy that was drafted very high by the Chargers. And going into the draft, you know, there was a lot of doubters saying like, uh, you know, Justin Herbert, they don't really know how uh, his success from college is going to translate to the NFL, given the fact that he you know, played at Oregon, he played in the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 defenses aren't really that good compared to other conferences in college football. So they didn't really know how he was going to translate. But, you know, I want to ask you, Gilbert, what grade would you give Justin Herbert for his rookie season? And what do you think that Justin Herbert needs to improve on this offseason as we head into uh, 2021? Well, the grade's pretty easy. Plus, man, that's a, that's a grand slam, a home run pick. That the Chargers got, and I think if you ask anybody and in, in, with the Chargers or anybody who covers the Chargers, it's going to be A plus. Uh, I think uh, Justin Jones from the Chargers said uh, they struck gold when they drafted Justin Herbert. I thought that was the best quote of the year to kind of sum it up. And you know, the guy's a stud. Uh, I, I I feel like maybe early on I was hyping him too much, but 
you know, after teams kind of watch film, you know, a quarterback is good when a team watches film and they counter your moves and adjustments. Now it's up to the quarterback to make some more counters and, and counter the counter. And that's when you know who's good. And now that Justin Herbert has three consecutive game winning drives, you know, that guy, he has it up here. Uh, he has that mental, uh, you know, you know, kind of killer inst instinct that you want to see from quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, uh, guys like that. So Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so I, I think, you know, for him, he has a very bright future. Uh, I know people get concerned because sometimes these quarterbacks come out hot, but year two, they kind of fizzle out. Like, you know, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, uh, Daniel Jones. Uh, you want guys that kind of, you know, they're consistent, like Deshaun Watson, uh, Lamar Jackson, guys like that. So uh, and I'm not too concerned about year two for Justin Herbert, but year one, I, you know, definitely A+. Uh, he surprised me in so many areas. Uh, you know, just the downfield shots are, 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 are a thing to watch. Uh, playing against the blitz, pressure, uh, accuracy, uh, making uh, changes at the line of scrimmage, audibles, uh, reading defenses, stuff like that. So uh, maybe sometimes uh, he forgets to kind of throw the ball away. He wants because that's kind of his thing. He, he's such a playmaker. He wants to extend plays. Uh, but other than that, I, I think he's he's done pretty great. And and I think for him, just to be consistent uh, to kind of keep growing. Gilbert, is there one thing about Justin Herbert that you didn't really know about him prior to watching film on him or scouting him prior to the draft uh, when he joined the Chargers that you've been pleasantly shocked by? Yeah, you know, I guess this is kind of a lesson for me is that don't rely too much on on, on draft reviews, scout reviews. Uh, you never know who's a who's a hit or miss or, or who, who does very well because there were so many mixed reviews on, on Justin Herbert that I started believing that maybe he has issues with accuracy. Maybe he has issues with reading defenses and he's been great in both areas. So maybe that's kind of surprising part for me. Uh, everybody raved about the arm strength, the size, the mobility, uh, stuff like that. Like he had all the skills, but people kept questioning uh, the mental side. So I started believing in it. Okay, well, let me see it. Uh, and in training camp, he was, he was a little, you know, shaky, a little rattled a, a couple of times, but you could see the arm strength. Those, those throws were, were, were strong and powerful, and he was very accurate. But, you know, you never know until you hit the game the game field uh, against, a you know, a real NFL defense. So that week two game against the Chiefs, that's when you kind of were very surprised. And after that, it's become routine. John Alcorn, you can ask your questions. Like when you say for a question, just – blurred it out okay well i'm gonna be honest people if they don't like it they need to just sit down and listen um of course when i'm critical about a quarterback i talk about them as a quarterback i don't know if, uh rivers as a person but like from what you've been saying he seems like a great dude um i've been very critical of him for his whole career and hear me out what i'm going to say gilbert you're probably not going to know what i'm going to say I said, in my opinion, that Philip Rivers is a slightly above average Kirk Cousins. And in my opinion, I just don't think he's a Hall of Famer because we have this thing we call empty calorie stats and how it's like a bag of laced potato chips. It just doesn't get done in the moment. He's had these weapons all over the years. Who do you think was to blame from when he started in 2006, I believe, when Drew Brees went to the Saints after a failed physical to the Dolphins? Who do you think was the main reason or was it multiple planes to go around for why they were not able to reach the Super Bowl? Yeah, you know, definitely a lot of reasons go into it. And you're right. There there were a lot of times where Phillip didn't come through in the clutch and and that's kind of hurt his career a little bit. But that guy was usually when it came 
to to being reliable, consistent, being out there every day, uh, giving you four thousand yards a, uh, a season, uh, about thirty touchdowns per season. Um, you know that's where he was good at. Uh, but I think you know protecting him in the offensive line, maybe they didn't do a good job of that. They didn't want really to give him a, a, a steady O line while he was with the Chargers. You see, he kind of has it now with, with the Colts, but he's a little older now. He's had the same quarterback, so maybe it came too late. Uh, obviously, uh, John, to kind of, you know, you know, go to your point, he, he had a lot of issues with interceptions, you know, and maybe it came from kind of having a, a very bad old line that he gets skittish out there and he throws the ball too soon. And, and he's a gunslinger. He wants to make plays, so that definitely hurt him. Uh, but, you know, that his career started pretty good with the Chargers. They made the playoffs, uh, you know, a good amount. I think they won a good amount of division titles. Uh, I think it's been about 10 years since they've won a division title. But, you know, he got to AFC Championship game on a torn ACL. Maybe that's where he gets a lot of credit from because he got, he was really uh, respected from that. Uh, you don't see that, uh, uh, you know, guys come back a, w- a week later after you tear your ACL and playing a game. I know he's a quarterback. He didn't have to make a lot of cuts and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, I think he got a lot of praise from that. Um, and he had LT early on and Antonio Gates. Maybe that that helped him out a lot. Uh, but, you know, to have one answer, I don't know why it didn't work out. It hasn't worked out for the Chargers, you know, throughout their whole history. Uh, Dan Fouts didn't get a championship. They had Drew Brees. They didn't do anything with Drew Brees. He got better when he left. But now they have Justin Herbert, and hopefully for them, they make the most of it. Again, when I say I'm critical, when I interview people, I like to give them the benefit of the doubt. So, yes, I'm being critical of him, maybe not being a Hall of Famer, but, like, I'd like to hear their side of the story of why media tends to twist things or maybe likes to dramatize things. And I go into this to say there was a rumor before the Chargers moved to Los Angeles that Philip Rivers kept his home in San Diego and that he wasn't willing to relocate to Los Angeles. Was that even true or is this kind of a thing that sports media likes to do to get clicks and views? Maybe a little bit about, you know, making it a big deal because, you know, San Diego to Costa Mesa is not that far. It's like an, an hour, 90 minutes. And when uh, you're as well off as Philip Rivers, you don't have to drive. You get your own driver. You sit in the back and you chill. You watch film. And it wasn't a big deal. Uh, and you don't blame the guy. I can't blame the guy because he, he lived in San Diego for about, you know, 14, 15 years. And, and he loved it. That was his home away from home. And out of nowhere, they moved the team. So. Uh, you know, I can't fault him for that. And maybe he already knew in the back of his mind he's not going to be there for a long time. So why move to L.A. Uh, when he's going to be there forever? They made it work for a couple of years. They, they went to the playoffs in 2018. Uh, so it wasn't an issue then. I know it kind of became an issue in 2019 when they were losing. He was throwing a lot of interceptions. Uh, but I never thought it was a big deal. It wasn't that far. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, like you said, maybe the media made it too much of a big deal. Uh, but it was never an issue when I was covering the team. Yeah. There. Last question, though, and of course, that that's why I wanted to ask you this because people need to understand. Like, I know you, everybody's been critical of certain players, but that does not mean we're not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. But looking at the Chargers, though, when 2015 happened, it was 2015. You had Todd Gurley, you have Melvin Gordon, you have all these other players. Do you think drafting Melvin Gordon? was a mistake by the Chargers or am I just kind of thinking it in different ways because you see the production could have been there but he couldn't stay healthy to see his full potential yeah that's kind of been the the, the topic of conversation like do, do you draft a running back in the first round uh it's a little risky now 
um, maybe now after you see all the all the stats and the analytics about it, maybe you kind of stay away from that. Uh, but I think maybe five years ago, uh, it was okay. Melvin Gordon had a shaky rookie year, but he was pretty productive after that uh, for about four or five years. And I'm pretty you know sure if he never would have held out last year and, and wanted to get a bigger contract, I think he would have been in charge of today. So that kind of tells me. And actually, they offered him a contract. He didn't want to take it. So, uh, you know, I think that kind of tells you how the Chargers thought it was working. It was it was doing well. They loved Melvin Gordon. He was a, a leader for the team, a, franchise, a face of the franchise type of guy. Uh, for me as a reporter, I love talking to Melvin Gordon. He was very out, outgoing, very talkative. Uh, we missed that on that. But then it didn't help them that they got Austin Eckler to replace them pretty quickly. Uh, and he kind of lost some leverage there. Uh, so I don't think it was a mistake. It's just one of those positions that you could find pretty easy. Uh, and, 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 and I think sometimes, you know, when you, when you're drafting guys like Zeke Elliott, they, they look okay early on, but then they kind of break down early, uh, pretty quick because they're running back such a, a brutal position. So it doesn't look good at the, at the end, but sometimes these guys are studs uh, guys like Saquon Barkley, who's a stud too, but he, he can't stay healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. so maybe, you know, that's where you kind of see that it's maybe not worth it. But I think sometimes guys for at least two or three years, you got to know in your head, this guy's going to be productive, pretty good. Uh, take a chance and, and see how it goes. But I don't, I don't think it was a mistake. Uh, but like, like I, I think John, where you're thinking it, it was a very high draft pick. So mm-hmm. something you kind of may gotta, you gotta really think about it long and hard. Again, fire beware. When I say these questions, give or any of my people need to get this is just me asking. This does not mean I don't like them as a player or as a person. I we just like to get the truth out there and yeah. I'm more than happy to give people the benefit of the doubt and to hear the other side of the story. Yeah, no, no, definitely. You know, uh a lot of people like to slander or tag the players and they get mad at them, but we're just having a pretty healthy debate, so no issue there. Gilbert, you know, the biggest issue with the Chargers the last few years, you know, have been their inabilities to close out games. The Chargers, they would get out to like a big lead and then somehow, some way they would collapse and then lose those games. And I honestly believe that if the Chargers had won maybe like two, three or even four of those games that they collapsed in, they would have probably made the playoffs or even been in the playoff hunt either this year or last year or the year before last season. So what do you believe, you know, is the reason that the Chargers just continuously choke late in games? Yeah, you know, it's been happening for a long time, not just the last two years, but it's been happening very often the last two years. Uh, Definitely injuries play a factor, uh, experienced guys. Uh, I remember when Chris Harris Jr., the cornerback first, return from his uh, foot injury he was saying hey we're losing a lot of close games because i wasn't on the field I mean, and i started thinking really like it, it doesn't really take one player but that guy was so smart or so knowledgeable he won a super Bowl with the broncos he's been in so many tight situations and now that he came back they're winning close games so sometimes it's about who's on the field and who who has the knowledge and who knows situation of football and maybe it doesn't bode well for the, the coaching staff they couldn't get the players in the right position for that but sometimes when you have too many young guys on the field, it, it doesn't work out. But they haven't had Derwin James on the field. When Derwin James was on the field, uh, they pretty much won all those close games in 2018. Um, you know, they haven't had Drew Tranquil. Joey Boss has been in and out. Melvin Gordon has been in and out. Uh, but now that they have Justin Herbert kind of, you know, get into that next level, maybe it might not matter who's on the field. When you have a quarterback that good, uh, that's all you need. Like, we see it every time with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers have had some kind of, so-so rosters in your past, but 
you know, you stay in the game, he's going to win you the game. So I, I think, you know, they're kind of on, on the upswing, but, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a mix between coaching and injuries for why they've kind of came up short in, in the last couple of years for the one score games and in kickers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, I want to say thanks a lot, joking to the Chargers for taking away one of the best corners I've seen in a very long time because we don't have a corner for the Broncos. But one last <laughs> question, though, is how do you see in 2021 the mentality in the locker room and the leadership changing based on how, hey, Justin Herbert is this guy. He is the real deal. Let's not make expectations too high, but let's also give him the best resource, resources to succeed in 2021. Yeah, you know, I think first of all, people believe in him now. You know, people are just amazed about what he could do, and that really kind of catches on in the locker room. Like, okay, we we got a guy here we could believe in. Let's rally for this guy. This guy's given us everything on uh, on the line. We should too. So I, I think it goes starts there. And a lot of people question Justin Herbert's leadership. Um, he is more of a lead by example guy. Uh, but I think those people people who really know Herbert, you know, he, he's more he's very talkative. You you I think. That Thursday night game where he had the game-winning uh, quarterback sneak and he kept sh- uh, yelling, I was in, I was in. That was kind of a little glimpse of Justin Herbert, how talkative he can be. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of leadership, I think he's taking that next level. Uh, and especially Joy Bosa now, and who who just got paid a lot of money. I think he took it upon himself to be a, a big leader. He's like, hey, I got rewarded for, for, for my play. Now let me be a leader for this team. Uh, so I think they do have some some leaders there. Uh, it's going to be probably a, a good amount of roster shakeup. So I don't know how many leaders they'll have left over, uh, but I think for 2021, they have a good start. All right. I'll read another fan, you know, question. So Shardell's question is, is Justin Herbert the best rookie quarterback in his draft class? Yeah, I think uh, without a doubt. I know Joe Burrow gave him a run for his money early on, but unfortunately Joe Burrow got hurt. Uh, and it, it would have been fun to kind of see this, this battle going into, you know, right now, week 17, because uh, it, it seemed like they were breaking records for about a, a good month back and forth, Herbert and Burrow. Uh, but after Burrow got hurt, you know, it, it was Herbert by himself. Uh, I know Jalen Hurts has done something, some things here and there, maybe a little too late. Uh, Tua has been a little shaky. He hasn't been on the field when it comes to fourth quarter game winning drives. Herbert has done that. Uh, so I think he's probably on a level of his own. Uh, that being Justin Herbert. Yeah, I kind of have to agree with you on that. Like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert were on the same path, but it was like early on, Joe Burrow was finishing like two minute drives in the fourth quarter with no timeouts, looking like a seasoned veteran. And like, you don't see that in a typical rookie quarterback, though he had no line. He was like a weld oil machine could go down and score. And he gave the chargers a run for their money in the opening season game. So it's like one of those weird conundrums where it's like you have two potentially good quarterbacks for the future one goes down and now it just blows this out of this question almost out of the water yeah it would, it would have been fun to see uh burrow and, and especially uh if, if herbert was playing that game a uh, week one game it would have been pretty fun to see we saw two two against herbert uh herbert didn't have his best game there uh so that was just kind of funny a funny little twist there but yeah it's gonna be special to watch these guys uh joe burrow uh, Tua and Herbert for, for the rest of their careers and see how it pans out. But I've, I've been very, very impressed with, with Joe Burrow. He kind of reminds me of Drew Brees. He's kind of just that, you know, that that 
you know, just that winning mentality, whatever it takes. And he, he knows how to run an offense pretty well. Isaiah, you said you had a question to add on to it. No, I just wanted to um, add on to your guys' point. I totally agree with uh, the three of you guys on this. I think that, you know, Justin Herbert is definitely the best quarterback um, out of this rookie class because, like you guys mentioned, you know, I think it was it was definitely between Herbert and Burrow, and it was going to be a very thrilling race down the stretch. But then Burrow got hurt with the torn ACL, unfortunately. And I think that's what um, gave the award to Justin Herbert with him just continuing to play games and continuing to look good uh, in the games that he's played. And, you know, Jalen Hurts, he has done a few things, but I think he's only played like two or three games. So that's a really small sample size. Um, Tua, he He's been benched uh, in and out of games. So, yeah, I agree with you guys. I think it's got to be uh, Justin Herbert for the – or the yeah, for the best draft – or, yeah, best quarterback in the draft award and uh, definitely rookie of the year. I would give it to Justin Herbert. All right. So my next question is um, – so then my next question is, what is the biggest threat to the Char Chargers playoff, I guess, future? I know the Kansas City Chiefs are kind of going to be loaded for the next – let's say a few years. So you're going to be locked in the wild card spot. You're not really going to win the division unless something crazy happens to the Kansas city chiefs via injury wise, losing Patrick Mahomes. But if they're trying to be in the wild card hunt, what do they have to do to at least get in the shot in the playoffs? So like, it looks like you have to be like, like 12 and four or something like that to get in. Yeah. What is it right now? Five teams are have 10 and five records. So if you're not winning at least 10 games, even in the added that one seven spot, uh, you're not going to have a chance. So you got to win at least 10 games for the Chargers to kind of be in that hunt next year. Uh, but I, I think you, you got to protect Herbert. You got to get a, uh, you got to improve the offensive line. Uh, I don't, I don't know the entire offensive line, but because the, the right side is a little shaky, they they try to upgrade it a year ago, but there's just so many injuries to Brian Bulaga and Trey Turner. Uh, but if they're healthy, you might be set there. The left side is very inconsistent with Sam Tevi, uh, Forrest Lamp. Uh, maybe the center Dan Feeney is okay. Uh, but you got to really ask yourself, your Tom Telesco, you know, maybe I shouldn't settle here and improve this line. Uh, but for him, it kind of hasn't really worked out. He's tried so many combinations that maybe it must be frustrating right now. I know people tell me also don't settle on the weapons, but I really like the weapons that, that Herbert has. Uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, Tyron Johnson, and Jalen Gunn have been nice surprises. They, they drafted guys like Joe Reed and KJ Hill. Uh, but maybe it's not a good thing to settle, keep adding weapons there for the future. Uh, but I think for at least now, they're okay there. And there's a lot of question marks on defense for me. I know a lot of people are very high on the defense when it's J July and August and you're looking at the roster like, wow, we got Joey Bosa, we got Derwin James. So a lot of fans are saying, you know, that this, this team is stacked. But you know, I got to tell fans that it, this team has a lot of holes. You know, it, it, there's, they're not stacked. They're, they're not deep. So you got to really – help out Joey Bosa and Derwin James. If he stays healthy, you got to have Derwin James healthy to kind of have a chance as well. And that's kind of hard to rely on him right now. Uh, but they have a lot of holes on defense, and and that's going to be up to Tom Salasco to fill that out if he's back next year. And then my last question is, what will the Chargers do with Tyrod Taylor? I know he had that puncture long early in the season, but now is he going to get like a fair opportunity to challenge Justin Herbert for the quarterback position job, or it's basically a done deal? And they're going to make him a second string or trade him for some assets. Trevor, I don't know. I don't know why you even asked that question. No way, <laughs> Tyrod Taylor in a co competition with Justin Herbert, man. You're you were doing so well asking me good questions. This is not a question at all. 
Uh, it's definitely Justin Herbert's team. Uh, unfortunately, with Tyra Taylor, who's such a good guy, great guy to talk to, he's going to have to look for another shot elsewhere. If he wants to start, uh, if he's okay with being a backup, living in Los Angeles, and he has a, his good friend, you know, I think Anthony Lynn, is a, he really likes Tyra Taylor. So if you feel like you're comfortable with Anthony Lynn, if he's there, and you're in LA and you want to be a backup, there's no problem with that. I think Tyra might be okay with that. But I think, you know, given his age and there's an opportunity elsewhere, he might, you know, leave. He's a free agent. Uh, but definitely just Justin Herbert's job, maybe for the next 10 years. All right. Isaiah, I see you have one more question about the offseason. Yeah, one more question before uh, we wrap up the show, uh, Gilbert. I just want to ask you, you know, besides like, potential vacancy at head coach and GM. What are like some uh, positions that the Chargers could be looking to address this offseason? Yeah, maybe another pass rusher besides Joey Bosa. Melvin Ingram is going to be a free agent. Uh, you know, who knows if they bring him back, but he wasn't the same player this year. So you really got to upgrade that position. Uh, I know they're moving Jerry Tillery, who was a first-round pick last year, to defensive end, but that hasn't worked out either. Uh, so which is funny because when you this year started, you, you, we all thought reporters that this defensive line was going to be really good, but it wasn't. There was a lot of injuries, a lot of, you know, age caught up to people. Uh, some guys didn't pan out. Uh, so definitely, you know, work on, on defensive line. Uh, maybe get another cornerback. I know Casey Harris kind of struggled. It seems like Chris Harris is going to be your nickel uh, for the next year or two at least. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's some question marks in the secondary as well. So, Again, the defense, I think, has a lot of holes, and, and I don't know where you could prioritize, but I think maybe pass rusher might be the first one. All right. Now let's move on to our final thoughts, gentlemen. So Isaiah, Gilbert – no, not Gilbert. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's been a long show. Um, John, how – I guess – Wow, I'm just fumbling on words at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking like a rookie quarterback at its finest. <laughs> but I go to Isaiah. What are your final thoughts for tonight? Yeah, uh, Gilbert, uh, it was a great, great show. Thanks for joining us uh, to talk about the Chargers and to talk about, you know, your sports, uh, yeah, your sports media career. You know, continue doing the great work, man. And, um, you know, we definitely need to link up and maybe do something again to talk about the Chargers because this was so much fun, man. Uh, and also, uh, I'm hoping and praying that maybe you can put a word out to Floyd Mayweather or Canelo or Manny Pacquiao out to get <laughs> me a fight. You know, what I mean, I'm getting some moves in there, but it'll be nice of you if you could do that for me. I'll, I'll try my best, Isaiah, but I, no promises. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, <laughs> John. I almost left the studio here. Come on, Isaiah. Murder's illegal. <laughs> but um, really, though, I mean, obviously, like we say, we do have a lot of fun talking football. Like I very passionate about it um because the other night we were doing an episode i woke up my mom she was sleeping with room, tv on the room was door was closed but really it is a lot of fun talking football when we get these guests on it's not like a, a guest is a guest but it's like contributing people to their sports career so it does mean a lot hopefully we can stay in touch and build a report but man give that to justin herbert and hopefully i can say so far i was wrong about him i can at least swallow my pride <laughs> I'm like one of the Bobby fellow co-hosts here, but um, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun, but thanks for coming on. Yeah, definitely, John. Thank you guys for having me on. And Gilbert, what about you? Any final thoughts? 
No, I just want to say uh, thank you for having me on, guys. It was a, a good show you guys have going on. I like the production. Uh, um, disappointing we missed out on Jonathan with uh, whatever was going on with him. Uh, but you four guys were great to talk to, and, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully we could do it again soon. All right. That will do it for here for us tonight. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. One more final announcement that the MI6 Sports Network is doing our New Year's Eve special. So we're doing six hours of streaming. So we're going to do from 6 p.m. Pacific time up to 9 a.m. Because that not 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time. That covers the Eastern time zone. New Year's ball drop. And then they will pick up the West Coast team from 9 p.m. Pacific time to 12 a.m. Pacific time to wrap in the West Coast. So it's definitely going to be a fun event. So tune in and make sure you get your popcorn ready because it's going to be a long night for us. But that will do it for us. Take care, everyone, and see you all tomorrow. Yeah. Three C's, my fiat. Yeah. Whoa, hey, yeah. whoa, say what? Three C's, my fiat. Hey. It's going down. Whoa, hey. Y'all know what time it is. Whoa, hey. We ain't playing with you. Hey. In the club. Hey. In the street. Hey.